This is Azia from Fusicology, and I'm here at Rebel Radio. Fuck you, Josh. <laughs> What's up? This is Rebel Radio. What up, what up? This is DJ Newmark. This is Peanut Butter Wolf. It's your boy. It's okay. Keep checking out Rebel Radio. Rebel Radio. This is Rebel Radio. We're in the place right here. Uh -huh. Rebel Radio is going down. What did you say? Rebel Radio? Oh, wait. Let's do it again. Rebel Radio. What's up, Rebels? Welcome back to Rebel Radio, the weekly show where I talk to the Rebels that are shaping youth culture. We find out how they do it, why they do it, and what you can do to get a little piece of the pie for yourself. We're also the only show to bring you new music every week from our friends over at EDM.com. I'm your host, Josh Levine, and today with me in studio is my friend Ozia Shine. Ozia is the founder of Fuse Ecology. If you're, uh, if you're a clubber, if you're into house music, hip hop, drum and bass, um, what else? Neo soul, Fusicology is your source for where to go in every major city in America. Uh, she's been doing it for 15 years, built a really fantastic business, and she's got some great stories from, uh, from her days in the clubs and some great lessons about, you know, really staying focused on her business avoiding distraction, knowing her value, and, and uh, building something in her vision. Great stories coming up from Ozzy Shine on Rebel Radio right after the EDM.com track of the week. B-Y-O-R and Space Food with Get Back, the EDM.com track of the week. If you like that one, get over to EDM.com, check out new music, and let's check out my interview with Isaiah Shine right now. But thanks for doing this. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited. Yeah, thanks. She's, she's been, you know, pushing, like, you know, it's just crazy because it's 15 years and, yeah. and there's, like, the Louis thing. And it's just like, a whole bunch of totally. stuff happening at the same time. So. Well, I'm excited to hear about that. Yeah. Um, we had a great time hanging out at Collision Conference. We did, which uh, you have to go to one, the one in Toronto coming up in May. Amen. Yeah, Amen. great. Yeah. Yeah, that was, like, a cool surprise because I got there and I didn't know what the hell I was doing. And, and I it was ball. And in Toronto, because that's my hometown, I'm yeah. going to be well more connected. Like, I'm already in talking to them about, like, after parties. And yeah. they're like, yeah, we're open. I'm nice. like, I'm selling myself like the Toronto person, even though I haven't lived in there in 20 years. That's so cool. Yeah. And then I know we're not here to talk about Susan, but Susan <laughs> is one of the first uh, publicists I met when I first started my journalism right? wow. career. You wow. and Jasmine Vega, we met Jasmine. at the same God, time. I was working at Sutteran in the in the Taft building. Yeah, wow. yeah. Oh my God. And I wow. can't remember who. Oh my God. Can't remember which of your clients kind of brought us together. But you're from something random like Seattle or something, right? San Francisco. Oh, it's just San Francisco. Yeah. Oh, see, I oh. you were a native Angelina. No, I came for college. Oh, you went to Loyola. I went to US, UCLA. Somehow I can't remember which school I went to, but so long ago. Uh, I went to UCLA and that started my journalism career because I started writing for the paper, the oh, Daily Bruin. Oh, that's what it was. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, which wow. Which was an awesome, right. amazing right. job because it was daily yeah. newspaper. Yeah. And so I went in there. Yeah, because you, you're younger than me. You graduated like 92 or something. Three. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, I remember when you high were school at, or college. I, college. I remember we're when old. you were at the Daily Bruin. <laughs> we're old in this place. Yeah, we're old. yeah, of course. Yeah, I remember that is where we met when you were at the Daily Bruin. Older, I older. Totally remember Josh Levine, Daily Bruin. I can see it like on my database in my head. It's okay, so, I didn't graduate college anyway. 
Why would you? Just wet for a few years. Better things to do. Yeah, totally. I went to NYU, so we probably had a similar. Yeah, I'm sure. That's fun. Experience of. That's well, it was so you'll relate to this because so I went in to write for the paper. Not sure why I wanted to do that. I think it was because you get I could get into shows for free. <laughs> of course. And um, and I had no writing experience whatsoever, but they kind of let me in. Really? Yeah, it was sort of by accident. Okay. But uh, but it turned out so I became the rap critic for the paper. Wow. Because in 1991, like mainstream college students were all about. Soundgarden, Nirvana, whatever. They, yeah, they I no, was. You know, other, like to them, rap was Run DMC. Yeah, and, and, yeah. You know, but then it was Beastie Boys. Then it was. I, then I was working on Ice Cube and Yo Yo. Those were my first yeah, two yeah. projects wow. at, at Ceteron. Yeah. Wow. And then I was doing MC Light. And then when I was out nice. here with Jazz, with Jasmine, you must have hooked me up with Yo Yo. I interviewed Yo Yo. Yeah, I think I did. The day my dog died, and she was like super nice to me. Oh, I totally remember that. Twenty five years ago. This is like so long 27 ago. Twenty seven years ago. It's yeah. crazy. Yeah. But hey, wow. let's talk about you. Yeah, yeah. No, it's cool. This is way more interesting, actually. <laughs> like, tell me more. Um, so we have we have similar taste in friends yes. and music yes. and all this other stuff. Yeah. But I want to I want to get into how it started for you. Sure. Do you remember the first record you ever bought? Uh, Michael Jackson Bad. Nice. Yeah, I was super young. I was probably five when it came out, and um, well, like 1984, right? Yeah. <clears throat> and um, I'm I was uh, dancing. Like I'm always a, a little dancer. I was danced before I could knew how to walk, and I would not stop listening to this record. Drove my parents crazy. I just keep putting it on and on and on. It was sure. my favorite record for like a year. Amazing. Yeah. And were you always just a music kid growing up? Yeah, my mom's a musician. My mom is a violinist. Mm -hmm. She sings and plays guitar. So, nice. uh, you know, I traveled with her when she was pregnant and, you know, had a violin on my belly growing up, you know what nice. I mean? Or on her belly, you know what yeah. I mean? And uh, so my mom's a musician and my dad just like is her roadie, like mm -hmm. her fan. He's an engineer, but he was always like, my mom's very popular in the Jewish community. Okay. Like she tours to okay. this day. And so like my dad's like her sort of manager. And nice. I started when I was like seven or so, I think maybe eight years old. Um, my parents don't speak English that well to, to this day. <laughs> They're from the Soviet Union. Mm. I like saying that. And um, I had I had to talk to somebody because they're like, you speak English, talk. And I'm like seven. Right. And they were like, we have $200 for your mom. And my mom was like, ask for 250 or something like that. And I immediately negotiated. They were like, who are we talking to? And I was like, it doesn't matter. Right. I'm talking to you because I speak English and I'm representing my mother. They're like, what is going on? So that's when it really happened. You know what I mean? Because I negotiated for my mom because I spoke English better than either my mom or my dad. Yeah. So that's really the, my first memory of how everything got started. And then I like was, um, I'm a classically trained dancer, ballet, tap, jazz, and all that. So um, when I like became a rave kid, when I was like 14, mm -hmm. um, Toronto, we started young. Sure. <laughs> um, I just, I didn't want to pay to get in. Right. And they were like, you want to pass out flyers at your high school? You're so like energetic and personable. And I was yeah. like, yeah, they're like, we'll give you 40 bucks a week, which is huge. Wow, that's great. Free weed, I'm just being real. And you don't have to wait in line to get into these yeah. places. I was like 14, 15 years old. I was like, hell yeah. See, in LA, they would just give you, <laughs> like, uh, just they would just let you in. Like, like, so so I was doing that in college. <laughs> yeah. And I, now I'm trying they to remember They didn't pay you nothing, right? Club. No, they didn't pay you anything. Yeah, Toronto was They're paying. like, here's your flyers. <laughs> and like, you know, yeah. If, if, and Go. they were like, if, if 10 people come with one of these flyers on it that has like your thing. They like, even put my we'll name on the flyer. Yeah. It, was a first, it was a party called Pleasure Force. Nice. With like drum and bass and all that. Uh -huh. And they put my name on it. It was misspelled. It was A-Y-S-A, -A -A, which sure. a lot of people do. But I was like, I, I didn't know what to do. And I think that's what I knew. Yeah. I was like, I want to do this, man. Like, I like this. Like, I was getting my friends in and all the like pretty girls. And I was 50 years old doing this, you yeah. know. And then when I was um, 16, my uh, parents, my dad's job transferred us to Dighton, Ohio. I had to do the accent because that's how I felt when I moved there. It was I complete bet. culture shock. Yeah. But I turned out to be the big fish in a small pond. Because sure. I already knew all the DJs, the, the Derek Carters of the world, these Chicago guys, these Detroit guys. Call upon the strength of them and find it at your stake. Move forward with power. Program yourself to feel with depth enough to know what's up and heart to set surreal. And these 
people and I was passing out flyers and they're like, yo, work for us. So we started doing parties when I was 16 called Booty Ass Jam. Sounds amazing. It's amazing. And we had these loft parties. And uh, my boy Kimmy in New York, who's still like a big deal in the art world and, the, mm-hmm. you know, all that. He brought me on. He was like, you're going to, you know. But then they realized that I knew how to, like, do other things. My mom let me use her credit card legitimately. And I would book the DJ's flights on these cards. And I started to get into that business. When I was 17, I moved to Detroit. Um, and that's when my life changed. So um, I met um, Dwelly in college. I met Slum Village through all that. So I sort of got into that hip hop soul world. Mm-hmm. But my biggest break was working for Laura Gavore, who uh, she passed away in 2002, but she was the agent and manager of anyone that mattered in that era. Yeah. Jeff Mills, Derek May, Juan Atkins, Kevin Saunderson, Theo Parrish, Moody Man, uh, Laurent Garnier, you know, we worked with LTJ Bookham, mm-hmm. um, all of that. And I just became her apprentice, her assistant answering phones uh, again she was like i don't know this email internet sh- you know you do it and i was like right. okay and i'm 20 years younger and yeah. hanging out with all these people with a fake id sure um and then i got a job at motor lounge which uh-huh. was uh in detroit and i yeah. w- and i booked like the first house djs ever in detroit from my understanding and that, that was 1996 and then um i got that job offer i, I was going to wayne state university i was studying global climate change which didn't exist then yet sure. it was just called earth science yeah um <laughs> everything they said that was going to happen did but about 25 years sooner yeah so yeah that's good times um <laughs> so um i got the a job offer from roy davis jr to mm-hmm. move to chicago to work for him and in 1998 i left detroit i didn't finish school i just took off and i went for it i had family in chicago i loved it um, I lived there for a year. <laughs> uh, it's called winter. Mm-hmm. I was like, it's colder than Canada here. <laughs> like, really? Yeah, Chicago is brutal. But See, I all that it. to me follows into a category yeah. called unlivable. Unlivable. Like basically anything <laughs> east of Palm like, Springs. Palm Springs. <laughs> like, <laughs> you wouldn't. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's actually true. Um, I didn't, and I, I loved Chicago, but it taught me so much about house music, and I got so involved. And in one year. I got to like do so many things because I was working for Roy and I also managed an artist named Pevin Everett mm-hmm. who um, did a uh, record with the Gorillas last year. I worked with him for a decade. Momentary pain can be pleasure lane millisecond change magic lantern strains are we just too far to be as one again are we obsidian is this how it is so that sort of brought me here. And um, I came out here in February of 2000 to go to Marcus Wyatt's birthday. Nice. And quote unquote Grammy week. Not that I had cook ups, but I just, you know. Yeah, of course. I just turned 21. Find I was like, way. I'm legal, I'm in. And I came here and it was like 72 in February. And that was it. Like I was like, I'm out. Yeah. And then um, I moved here. And um, should I continue? Because <laughs> I've been well, talking I forever. Know, is there a. <laughs> I mean, that sounds like an incredible journey. Yeah. Was there a time when you decided this is going to be my career path? Yeah. Um, 1994, LTJ Bookham, yeah. bringing him back up again. I, I just, I heard his music and I was at this rave and yeah, I was probably semi-sober. Um, but I just, I closed my eyes and I was like, I want to be a part of this. Like, I don't know what that means. Yeah. I don't, I don't think I'm going to be an artist cause I'm not, that's, I'm not like my mom. I don't play mm-hmm. instruments. I didn't get that. But I was like, I know how to organize. I know how to promote. I want to do this, mm-hmm. you know? And then when I moved to Detroit and met Derek May and Laura Gavor, which was like, right. I mean, I met people like immediately. I didn't, it didn't yeah. take me like six months to meet people. I would meet people before I moved there. Right. I just knew that that was going to be my career path. And I never looked back after that. Rebel Radio is brought to you by Stitch Fix. Stitch Fix is an online personal styling service that finds and delivers clothes, shoes, and accessories to fit your body, budget, and style. I got my wife Christy signed up and watched her go through the process. It was really fun. They were asking her all kinds of questions about her personal style. Did she want bags? Did she want shoes, accessories, clothes? Did she want fancy stuff, casual, athletic, boho? 
It's good for her because I just wear black t-shirts every day, so she can go out and pick all kinds of stuff. And she doesn't like to go shopping. She likes stuff sent to her. It's fun. You get to open a box at the front door, and it feels like you got a present. Just go to stitchfix.com rebel. You can tell them your sizes, what styles you like, how much you want to spend on each item. They give you your own personal stylist who handpicks items and sends them right to your door. You try them on, pay for what you like, return the rest. Shipping, exchanges, and returns are always free. There's no subscription required. You, uh, you get your fix whenever you want. You can get scheduled shipments or you can just hit them up and tell them, send me some clothes. Stitch Fix's styling fee is only $20, which gets applied to anything you keep. Get started now at stitchfix.com rebel, and you'll get an extra 25% off when you keep all the items in your box. That's stitchfix.com rebel to get started today. Stitchfix.com rebel. Um, so, you know, jumping ahead to physiology. Yes. And, uh, you know, you describe it as, so you, you were talking earlier about, you use the term progressive music. Yeah. And, um, and you know, the distinction between that and EDM. Yeah. So <laughs> how do you define that? And how mm -hmm. does it change over the years? Mm, it's really changed. I think that's why we, you know, I use a lot of global soul uh -huh. now because, and, and that puts us in a box of like soul music when right. really we do a lot of dance and hip hop stuff. It's really hard to define music, you know, and to say something as snobby as, well, it's good music, is right. just that. Sure. So it is very hard to define. Um, we use the word urban alternative mm -hmm. in the mid-thousands because mm -hmm. that was what the Grammy term was, and then right. they, that got kind of weird. I used neo-soul before that. Yeah. Um, that was like a bad term after a while. Of course. Um, I can't even say the word deep house because right. the EDM world That's has changed, changed it. Yeah. That bothers me because I like listen to something and I'm like, this isn't deep house. This is right. trancy weird. You know what I mean? And yeah. people are like, no, that's that's what it is now. It's tough. But what's interesting is the people that are like getting older are still looking for mm -hmm. like 90s hip hop and early thousands and Dilla and all mm -hmm. that other stuff. And then the newer people are looking at the older music because they want to know where it comes from. Like Odessa and all these bands. If yeah. I listen to that, I'm like, wait, is this now? Or is right. this, you sure. know, Ron Trent from 1997? It sounds the same. Yeah. And that's an interesting theory that I have is not much has actually changed. Sure. You still go in, it's still a dark club, it's still lights, it's like the same. Yeah. People are even going back to vinyl. Mm -hmm. That's why I think we're lucky because even though things have shifted, for some odd reason, um, Music 20 years ago sounds almost like it does now, and it's going back to it. It's really well, tripped out. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I've I've read some things about kind of how our how <clears throat> we process music, right? Yeah. And and the idea is that we want things that sound similar but feel new. Right. Right. Because right. we don't want to tell ourselves that we're just listening to the same shit right. over and over. Right. But we like the familiar yeah yeah that's exactly it and now what more than ever uh things have, are coming together like new orleans brass music like trombone shorty yeah. will tour with like somebody that we know in hip-hop <laughs> Telepoli will hop on a record and do mm -hmm. something and it's completely mashed things up mm -hmm. and so because of these artists mashing things up it's becoming like you know easier to kind of say like physicology because it's been around for 15 years I think people not everybody but most people just sort of get it for instance we used to have promoters have to upload their event and I would have to approve it right took that down yeah because no one uploads whack events anymore because right, right, right. they get it yeah. so I think it's like it's it's almost like an unspoken thing, but there isn't a terminology for this kind of music anymore. Well, and that's the other challenge, I mm -hmm. think, is that, you know, progressive by definition keeps changing. Because, yep. you know, what, because mainstream catches on to certain things and then you have to kind of keep moving. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah. 
I think I think um, I got lucky with like uh, the music that's been coming out over the past, I'd say, ten years with like uh, Flying Lotus and Thundercat and yeah. and Robert Glasper because historically I get this respect from people because of all the you know I was Jay Dilla's agent and mm-hmm. I worked with Questlove and all these amazing people and because of my previous work I get the respect from those artists but yet because of what I do for a living is sell tickets and promote shows right. and we've never had competition like I still work with Live Nation and Golden Voice the same way that I work with them 10 12 years ago because they, there's no one else that can sort of do this for them which is kind of interesting because people have tried sure but they're not niche enough you know they, yeah. they you know you have do LA I think they're incredible right yeah. but yeah. it's it's always it always goes back to that stuff that I don't do and I don't I sort of almost keep away and filter from physicology I'm really militant you know with what goes on that website you know and I have Should to be, be. <clears throat> and it's like I've gotten some backlash from people but again not recently mm-hmm. recently people are like now we get what they do now more than ever i just say black music mm-hmm. which can be a, quite controversial coming from a jewish girl's mouth and because my business partner's african-american people look at him and are like are you do you run this cut co- like what's you know and i'm like right. but it is black music you yeah. know like that's what if you want to get unpolitically correct that's kind of what it is well but that's weird too to it, put like a thing on it that's racial at all even though it's the truth it is, so and it's not. You know? I mean, I get it when you say that. Yeah, I yeah. Know what you, I just want to offend anybody, you know? Yeah. No, I, I, <laughs> I understand. Especially coming from me. Obviously, that's a charged <laughs> term. Um, but even still, I think there's even practical questions about, like, well, is does that mean the artist is black? Well, sometimes. Does that right. mean the audience is black? Sometimes. Right. And then what about rock and roll? That's black music right. if you want to break it down. In the, exactly. You know, it's kind of, it is weird. Sure. There's, there's no terminology. I was talking with a friend who I... I won't name who has a, an events company mm-hmm. and he's trying to do something really cool. And I was telling him, you know, I love what you do, but it's too white. Right. Given the world we live in. And he was like, yeah, you know, we're trying to book more artists of color, let's say. And I said, well, that's great, but that's not it necessarily. Right. Cause there's lots of, there's lots of black artists, you know, or artists of different backgrounds who mm-hmm. are making music for white people. Yeah. And vice versa. Yeah. Right. And you know, the drum and bass kids are mostly white. White. Yeah. Right? But the artists are black. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's it's a it's a complicated. It's a very it's very complicated. I think that's yeah. why I started just saying like we list events for you know I think global soul is the one term that I feel the most comfortable with because I used to use the word soul diaspora but then no one knew right. what sure, the word and diaspora yeah. and totally. they've connotated too much that's with too twos smart. and I'm it's too smart. Yeah. And um. So I just say global soul because it kind of it doesn't everything is soulful that we do, yeah. whether it's hip hop or whether it's like something like hiatus coyote that is like What genre is that? Right. What is that? Like, tell me because it's it's everything. You know, yeah. to me, that's deep house, e EDM, rock, right. with hip hop. Like, I'm so confused. You yeah. know, and then there's someone in the background playing like trumpet. Like, I'm like, what is this music? But that's, I think, the point so, of where we are as so a culture. So, what happens if we go back? I forget what year that was. 2013. Yeah. Oh, oh, sorry. When yeah. EDM blows up. Oh, yeah. Becomes this massive mm-hmm. global phenomenon, and you have. Skrillex and Aoki, Aoki, all these guys, right? So we know the difference. Yeah. But, you know, to the outside world, to the brand world, certainly. But and you're a casual fan, like they don't understand the distinction between EDM and what we would call dance. Music, yes. Right. Yes. So what did what did that do to your business and to the what did you see like happening in the culture it actually helped us a lot because um websites that did focus on edm just were so like that's what we do and we sell these big tickets and bottle service in vegas and i just was like i ain't fucking with any of this can i swear yeah yeah i ain't messing with any of this shit okay cool i'm just making sure and i i think because we didn't go that route and i just kind of stayed away from it it made it even more evident that we're just different you know what i'm saying yeah. and also we we that the rise of this sort of new jazz kamasi washington terrace martin thing 
really helped us because it became so big yeah. that it sort of took over. And I knew EDM was going to die. I knew I was like, sure. this thing going to be everything that goes to I mean, Vegas. It always happens. It always happens. Yeah. And, and and I knew it was anything that goes to Vegas and becomes big and bottle service and every, you know DJs are getting two million dollars, yeah. five year lifespan at the most yeah. because it's not going to survive. And even now in Vegas, when I go, <clears throat> I'm hearing better music. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I'm hearing like pretty decent music and what's going on everyone's like oh now we're not really doing the edm thing here and i'm like oh my god even vegas is catching on and they're always like five years behind us so it's it's challenge but i think you're right i think what we've worked on is just showing people that it's a niche demographic and that if you want to reach them we're the partner to reach them with and I kept it very, very real with other people. If they wanted things that are a little more rock, I would send them to Oh My Rockness. If they wanted mm-hmm. more EDM, I would send them to like Do LA or something mm-hmm. like that. I'm like, you know, I just, I think it helped that I didn't um, sell out, like no offense, but like I was always confused by the Fader magazine back in the day, right? Cause it Me would too. be, right? Cause it would be like most stuff one month. Right. And then the white stripes, which is oh okay, but then it would it would just I'm yeah. like, what are what is this? Yeah, it feels schizophrenic. Absolutely. So we tried really, really hard, I think, to not be that way and to sort of stick within it, even though we've probably lost significant amount of business. So how do you do that as a business person, right? Like most I think the temptation and you you know, yeah. I know you play in the media space mm-hmm. and in the tech space yeah. and in business in general, the 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 mantra is scale. Right. Generally. Right. Right. Everybody's looking for something that's scale. Yeah. Um, We've grown in cities. So I've taken the same thing. Yeah. And like we were in just New York and LA for two years. Yeah. Uh, three years. And then built it up at eight to eight markets. And uh-huh. then I, and then now we're in 25 cities. So instead of changing it up, I've noticed that Salt Lake City has a scene. Yeah. And all of a sudden I just went in. And I added a bunch of events, and now I have my assistant that goes in. We're not big there. I don't right. know. We have probably no traffic, but it's okay because it doesn't really cost me that much to keep it up yeah. and to keep, like, 20 events, which makes it look good. Yeah. That's what we've done. We've more so, I think, you know, expanded in our markets okay. as opposed to the genres within the markets that we're in. Okay. So yeah, I want to talk about that, but, but first I want to know, how do you – like, how do you resist the temptation, right? Like, you know, you you could look at a Du LA mm-hmm. or a Fader, who mm-hmm. I would agree with, like, is not, I don't want to say it's a mistake because that's their business yeah, to do yeah, how yeah. they want to do, but it's not how I would do it. Right. Right. But you can understand the temptation. Yeah. Right. And again, we wrestled with that at yeah. Herb, right? Yeah. Where it's like, oh, this thing's happening over here. Right. You could easily make the argument. Yeah. Like, you could have easily made the argument that, like, yeah, EDM, that's dance music. That's my thing. I'm going to be the king of all that. Yeah. Right? And I'm going to drive bottle service in Vegas. And, you know, so what's the thought process? Like, how do you make those decisions? Well, I'm stubborn Good. Um, as an individual. And also, we got lucky. We never went print. Uh-huh. So my costs have been low, 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 low since the beginning. Yeah. And then um, I've even learned how to do a bunch of stuff that other people were doing for me here and there. And I outsource a lot of work to people like social media stuff and everything like that. So I've been mm-hmm. able to save money on staffing, okay. um, save money on like just getting elaborate offices and staff and this and that and the third. Yeah. Um, the only thing that we really concern ourselves with is tech and sales and you know, sort of the marketing aspect of it. And social media has really helped. Mm-hmm. And um, I just, I, I felt, I know what you're saying. I just felt like if I did go there, it would maybe only benefit us for the short term and then people would be like, Fuse Ecology's whack, right. fuck them, and then we would just lose all our traffic and all of our, um, people don't unsubscribe to our mailing lists. We've never gone down, we've nice. only risen. It doesn't yeah. rise, it's not insane numbers, yeah, sure. but it's okay, we also don't buy these numbers, right? Mm-hmm. These are just mm-hmm. organic people that go, oh, I wanna subscribe, I wanna subscribe. That's great. So I think it was the fear of the, um, and plus I just really, really always, fought against that scene you know what i mean like living in detroit living in chicago right. coming from that world this is where dance music is from it's from you know these it's from r&b it's from black america i just felt like i would just sell out and like literally my friends would stop talking to me so i think it was like the fear of what other people would think yeah. to be honest with you and then also the knowledge that we're going to make it mm-hmm. and because we have these consistent clients like the live nations of the world that just sort of automatically come to us like hey we have these shows mm-hmm. going on go here mm-hmm. are the ads here you know they don't even 
ask us anymore. They just sort of put us on retainer. I knew that I would sort of knock on wood survive Mm -hmm. that thing, but it was tough, especially with the economy being really, really bad. Like between 2010 and 2013, like no one was buying ads. I don't even remember how I survived. I just, just certain brands would, would, you know, you would get that chunk of money and you would sort of spread it the love. And I think that's the only way to do it as opposed to now where it's more micro, like every day people just want ads. I want this blasted, I want this blasted. So it's less of a, I need this big client in order to maintain the business, which is great. So if you're enjoying this one, let's go back in the Rebel Radio archives, check out another great publisher, my man, Shiraz Sharian. Um, founder of HipHopDX.com. Uh, some great business lessons in building a publishing business, and you know one of the toughest industries to be in in media right now. And um, he's a super smart guy and, and has some great stories to tell. So check that one out after we finish up here with Ozzy Shine. So my experience, you know, obviously I've been working in events for forever um uh brands seem to kind of come in and out yeah and i think part of it is back to that scale thing that you know if you if you're deciding where to spend your money i can reach you know a thousand times as many people in social Mm -hmm. than i can at an event Mm -hmm. um although you know before that they had other excuses right Right. Uh, you know um what is uh what do you see with with brands? Hmm. Well, they, I, I see um, it's interesting because people change. So, mm-hmm. you know, you develop a relationship with somebody sure. at X company and then they're gone. They're it's the just worst. it's the worst. That happens to me like every day of my life. I feel yeah. like I have to deal with some new person. It's a, and then you have to like re, yep. you know, hash that. Um, I try not to count on it. What I try to do is I try to uh, get big level uh, events like I'm doing something at, during the Grammys, mm-hmm. right? And so I try to just focus on the fact that I know the Grammys are happening. I know they're in LA and I know the date. And so I almost try to like pretend like I don't know who the sponsor is going to be even though I knew I need one because I feel like if I have my shit together, one will come to me because if I start, you know, and plus these brands all go through agencies Mm -hmm. and these agencies do their own events and they don't care about you and they don't want to get the brand to know you because you're kind of competition even though I'm not an agency. I feel like everyone thinks I'm competitive with them to an extent because I've created my own little niche. You know what I mean? But yeah. I'm not I'm not a publisher to that, ex- even though I am. I'm not an event producer, even though I am. I, I think that staying staying in my lane and being and doing something that I'm really, really like known for is the safe bet. Mm-hmm. But I don't feel comfortable anymore with like counting on a brand to sponsor something because it just they're so finicky. Yeah. And I worked with Puma for many, many years. Uh, I mean, and then my guy over there, you know, got let go. And that was it. I mean, happens all the time. we started our own brand yeah, with them yeah. called Laced. It was a whole event series for like three years with huge name DJs. Yeah. I also take it with a grain of salt. Like that's the way it works. Like it's just mm-hmm. going to come and go, come mm-hmm. and go. And then other brands now in the cannabis space, right. they're, they're sponsoring my event at the Ford, a cannabis cultivation company. Who mm-hmm. would have thought that, right? Like right. a few years ago, like yeah, of course. at the Ford, like it's LA County, you know, they were like, yeah, we're cool with it. Just don't smoke inside the venue. I'm like, yeah, that's what yeah. they're like. It's, it's legal. And I still had to like, think about it. Um, sure. so I think that it's ever changing. It's completely finicky. These agencies don't, they're complete and they change up too. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you develop something with one of these experiential agencies and you do this one event with them. And again, 90% of the time that person's gone within three months. <laughs> So, you know, my experience with founders is that over time, it's harder and harder to stay so connected to your business. Yeah. So how do you do that? You seem to not be suffering from that. Um, I decided a long time ago that I probably wouldn't have kids and a family, which is kind of hard on me and my family a little bit. But um, I really like what I do. And I really don't like I just like hopping on a plane, doing something, going somewhere, being somewhere. And uh and I guess genetically, <laughs> I got blessed because when I tell people I'm going to be 40 in a couple months, they're like, where? Um, that does help. These things, they may be superficial, but that does help. Yeah. I also, um, 
get assistance from people like I form alliances and partnerships with people mm -hmm. so if like a new younger promoter it, you know I'll give them a free blast I'll promote mm -hmm. hey put the logo did it I'll give them love they give us love back and so all of a sudden these younger promoters like Subsuelo or Selection or whoever they are mm -hmm. like loving up on us because even if we're not getting they basically what I always say is you're not gonna get less people right <laughs> so sure. I think it's keeping up it's Thank God for the internet. I get thousands of emails a week with new music from all these publicists from all over the world. And I just, I still trust my ear. Um, but I am looking to, you know, do other things um, more in the health and wellness space. I've come up with other ideas. Mm -hmm. And so my dream is to be able to get um, funding for either or or both and then be able to sort of, in a really nice organic way, let somebody about 15 years younger take over the day to day. That That's my dream. And I've, I know like people's kids that are good. Yeah, sure. That's the scary part. It would probably be like someone's kid, yeah. you know, um, to, but honestly, like it's people our age are still sort of at the forefront and are the media buyers mm -hmm. and are still the decision makers. That's yeah. what's kept me. But yeah, I, we don't, we miss out on some stuff. There's some things that I'm like, damn, how do I not know about this? But right. it's like younger scene coming up. Um, but I can still outdance anybody. So <laughs> like, <laughs> I'll be at the, at the house club and these 24, 25 year olds getting tired and I'm still there. It's like 5 a.m. Like, right. where do you get this energy? And that I don't know. That is, I mean, pure spirit without sounding corny on any level because I don't even know. Yeah. Maybe being almost vegan. I don't know like okay. what it is. Sure. <laughs> yeah. But definitely I want to, I don't want to do this. I don't want to be like that chick that's like too old. And then everyone's like, yo, you know, she's irrelevant. Like, what's up? You know yeah, what I mean? Course. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to be that chick. <laughs> so how do you, you describe yourself? You said, you've said two things about yourself. Yeah. That you're militant and, and <laughs> yeah. you know, and you seem Stop very it. dialed into your business. Yes. And you make hard decisions. Yes about what to say no to. Yeah. And also, it sounds like you're pretty open to partnering with people and trusting. Yes. And all of that. So how do you how do you balance those two things? I think, you know, I really trust my ear in music and if it's not whack, even if it's like something I've never heard or something that's a little like not my thing, I will and because we're an online platform and within like 2 seconds I can put you up on our site and you know, share it on social and do other things. I, I really try to keep an open mind. Um, but I still don't like a lot of, you know, I, I was just came back from Atlanta at A3C. Yeah. There was a lot of new hip hop that I was like, yo, this is the shit. Like young kids playing there, like, you know, literally in front of just the building. Yeah. And yeah. there was other shit that I was just thought was whack, you know, yeah. and I just, I think that's healthy. And um, I think these young kids, they, they look up. Like I, wore, I was wearing my, my Dilla shirt because I was mm -hmm. like, oh yeah, you know I gotta wear this in Atlanta, right? And kids were like, oh my God, you know who Jay Dilla was? And I was like, I was his agent, you know? And I don't really don't do that, but at A3C, right. you know, as a speaker, they yeah, were yeah, like, sure. oh my God. And my um my little panel was well attended. I thought, because there was other things, there's so many other things What'd going on. What did you talk on. about? I, I, it was just meet the founder. Oh, cool. And people, I just told them like, kind of like this, like what I nice. did, whatever. But I think it's like people, I we were so ahead of our time in the music that we promoted and did in the mm -hmm. 90s and the thousands that it's still relevant sounding now and i think that's why i've survived because of what they did like sure. i still don't think that there's like better music than that like i will you know i just i try i i try to be open but then i'm like i've like, given up yeah i've given up a little bit except for like the new like the brass sounds of new orleans as you know yeah, i'm obsessed okay. with that yeah. like i think trombone shorty is a star yeah like, just you know i think you know and then being lucky being on the forefront like anderson pack you know yes. i was been working with him since the beginning of time when he mm -hmm. was um breezy lovejoy mm -hmm. which is a great name by the way <laughs> and, and like I'm lucky because maybe I don't work with him now. He's with Dre and he's bigger. Yeah. But if I ever needed anything, yeah, sure. right? If yeah. I needed that, that pull that card, yeah. I can pull that card. You know, I'm pretty sure. So mm -hmm. it is staying. You, it's 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 being open, staying relevant, but also knowing that our music that we thrived on in the '90s and the early thousands was the best. <laughs> I just think so. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. You know, I mean, who like for instance, Fela Kuti died what 1997? Yeah. What, name me one Afro, you know what I'm saying? So it, it's old, but I think it's it's being rediscovered. Maybe because we're at the end of days. <laughs> because we're almost at Armageddon. I'm is just kidding. I'm just kidding. No, it's not. We're good. We're straight. <laughs>
I told you I study global climate change, right. so I just these past couple of days I've been kind of the more you know, the more you know. Well, there's been a lot of a lot of stuff, but yeah. go, getting back to the music, I really do think it's because we were ahead of our time, yeah. and the music then is again. I go to these like um, underground loft parties. Every, the average age is 25. Yeah. Okay. I am the oldest sure. person besides the DJ and the promoter. Yeah. But they're going to see people we know right. they book our people yeah yeah sure so we're not irrelevant we just have to stay on top and make sure that we also support that opening dj right. that's opening for moody man or theo parish or whoever it is it's old school guy from detroit that the kids are like freaking out but they also what i've noticed interestingly enough the young kids don't really know who these djs are they're just mm -hmm. coming to the party but wasn't that what we did did yeah, we sure. really know who these djs yeah, were no. 20 something years ago like we we're just going it's to funny. the rave it's funny so i was some reason last this weekend i was reminded about like my early clubbing days <laughs> and i started the same you know in high school yeah and uh and i couldn't tell you who any of those djs were exactly right and like we went to the parties you know and i, I was telling my wife about like i used to go to club 1970s oh wow which was uh like it was uh, it was at the what's the spot on La Brea in Hollywood? Um, peanuts, not peanuts, but I think it was peanuts I don't know later. What it's called. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Yeah, I forget what it's it is. It's like a gay club. This is where Magic Wednesdays was. Magic Wednesday on La Brea. So like the backside of where the world, which is not the world. Yeah, I forget what it's oh, called. Oh, okay. This is like in the nineties. This was like ninety-one. Okay. Oh wow. Okay. And you know we would pay to go in. Didn't yeah. know anybody. Yeah and dance our ass exactly. off to 70s music. I have no idea who was DJing still to this day. To it was probably day. Mike Messick or one of those guys, yeah. but I didn't know. Exactly. And that's not why I went. Exactly. And I just had the best time of my life. You know? Exactly, and, uh, exactly. There's a lot of that. It wasn't until much later that you yeah. started like really caring about who the DJ is. Exactly. And, and so yeah. I kind of count on that. And a lot of the times people just, people go to Fusicology because they're like, what's up for tonight? Yeah. That's like the only reason to go to the website. That's actually, I, I, I did a lot of like interviews and video and stuff like that. And I kind of paused on that a little bit um, because it was very time consuming. And yeah. I noticed that my audience didn't really care. I would have right. to boost it and pay a lot of money to boost it in order for it to get the hits that it, because people they go for the one thing. They go to find out what's cracking. Yeah. But you know what? That's fine. It's not, and I'm getting but I good mean, traffic. But I mean, that's such wisdom. I, I, like, I don't know how to overstate that. Like, it is such wisdom to understand what people want from you right. and just give them that. And, and, like, the temptations and, to, and especially... to have the ego to say, okay, this video from Redman should have gotten 30,000 views. It got right. like 2,000 views. But it's okay, you know, and I'm not willing to put $500 down to boost it on Facebook and Instagram. Yeah. I'm just going to kind of chill on that because yeah. e egotistically I'm like, I should get me. But then I'm like, I'm looking at my traffic. I'm like, oh, I get it. People are sort of flipping. They're just like, okay, cool. Interview with Redman, whatever. Right. I, I tried the content thing. I don't think we're content based website. I really think we're an informational sort of what, and because we're in real time, mm -hmm. we get traffic consistently. Mm -hmm. So the same person goes on our site about three days a week. Wow. That's unheard of these days, right? Yeah. Because you don't really do that with editorial websites unless you're TMZ and you're so constantly. So I, I want to go to these loft parties with you. Yeah, you should. But I also want you to have them around 6 p.m. Yeah, see? That's so I can get to bed. <laughs> that's Just take a nap and I'm, show up at, at, at 12.30 with me. No, I do that? No, because I got to be up at 5.30. On a Sunday? Every day. Every, oh. Every, yeah. <laughs> Hashtag no kids. <laughs> Hashtag parenting. Yeah, it's cool. I'll, I'll yeah, just babysit yours once in a while. That's what I'm good at. That's fantastic. For like three hours and I'm over it. Yeah, it's, it's Done. great. That's like cool. the minute they start to like get all fidgety and shit. I'm just nah, like, he's old enough. He takes care of Okay, himself. good. Even better. I'll totally hang out with him then. <laughs> so talk about 15th anniversary. 15th anniversary. So um, we have, and uh, we've been working on it for almost a year now. Uh, just a little bit of hiccups, but nothing that anyone saw. It's all in production. We are having a brand new website. When I say brand new, I mean we are moving from PHP database to a WordPress backend. So mm -hmm. right now we're like WordPress front end, mm -hmm. but the backend is all PHP, which is, it's just not user friendly anymore, right? Sure. Um, but 
if it ain't broke, don't fix it kind of thing. The good news is that we're not like, we don't have a bad website right now, so mm -hmm. we haven't been rushing it. The new site is gonna be awesome. It's also gonna equate to a new app because it's completely just everything is mobile. So um, totally. we don't have to switch out the app at all. We just kind of link it to a different page, mm -hmm. you know, for featured events mm -hmm. and call it a day. Um, that is going to be up very, very soon. We are in the final stages of the UI UX. We just needed to redesign. It's gonna be very clean. That's a big deal for me. Um, for live event wise in LA, we are doing Lu Louis Vega is performing live with nice. EOL Sofrito with his uh, lovely wife Anane Vega, Joshua Milan, and then a bunch of other special guests that are going to be here. Um, that week in New York, I'm going to be partaking in uh, uh, two events that Tony Touch is doing called Funkbox and Toca Tuesdays. Nice. Louis Vega on Wednesday night. Thursday, Robert Glasper at uh, Blue Note. He has a residency. That night is going to be with Tara Smartin, so I figured that's just a perfect fit for us because we're LA-based. But yeah. I did think of my company in New York City. Um, because I think that, that it wouldn't have existed if I didn't think of it in New York, you know? Sure. And then on um, that Friday is going to be an event called Soul in the Horn, which is a very, very popular like live jazz fusion event that happens at different locations and you don't know until a few days out on, on whatever oh, Friday cool. is chosen, by the way. It's not every Friday. It's yeah. very tricky. I love it. It's great. But you have big, big people coming up and playing just, just, just impromptu sets and you know, crazy, like, D-Nice will DJ, and then, like, someone will come up and play the trumpet, and it's just all across the board. So yeah. New York is going to be, like, a bit of a mishmash here. I'm do doing one event. I figure that's kind of actually represents L.A. and New York a little bit. Mm -hmm. You know, here, to get people out, you almost have to plan it, and it has going to be, like, central time, place, whatever. Otherwise, oh, I live in Santa Monica. I'm not going to that club in Hollywood. Oh, I live downtown. I'm not going to the west side, you right. know, so. L.A. is tough. L.A. is really tough. Definitely. Yeah. So that's, those are the plans. And then I'm starting a, um, lifestyle sort of experiential health and wellness. I'm trying to figure out what I'm doing. And, uh, it, it's because I, I, I have a deck ready. I have all these ideas for this new company, but then I, now I want to implement cannabis, but I have to be careful cause I, it's not legal nationally. Right. So I'm almost creating like, like, uh, you know, it's going to be called fuse life. Okay. So it's kind of the play on the word fuse ecology, but um, easier to spell, easier to, to right. say. And also, I think people understand the word life. It's more of a, it's, it's fusing your lifestyle. Yeah. So um, I think that we all have to implement more health and wellness. I, I, I do get tired of going to the, the club or the bar or the conference and not having anything but sugar water, mm -hmm. tap water, and alcohol. I believe that we can develop areas where there could be pods where people can come in and there could be wheatgrass shots you can go get your phone charged you can get a back rub you know these conferences that's one thing that i've noticed is everyone gets so tired yeah. so i want to develop um, health and wellness in an experiential way mm -hmm. and then where it's legal combine that with cannabis so we're going to launch that during hopefully god willing during the consumer electronics show in january nice yeah with a small like part of an event not like our yeah. own event but just just to see, see how it goes yeah. and then looking for funding and then hopefully by next like this time next year i won't be doing fuse ecology 80 percent in fuse life 20 percent it'll be sort of turned around so mm -hmm. that's my dream that's the goal for me as a person but fuse ecology i don't think it, you know besides a new site and what we're doing and just pushing it um I see it growing consistently, but like I said, I see it growing more in the market sense. Like, mm -hmm. like right now, we're not in South Carolina, mm -hmm. we're not in like anywhere like Nashville. But you know what? Every day I hear about yeah. things popping up in different markets that we're not in. So I want to be everywhere. I want to be everywhere. Nice. Yeah, definitely. Amazing. Yeah, thanks. Um, let me see. I have a little lightning round. I want to ask okay. you. <laughs> Okay. What's your favorite city to travel to? New Orleans. <laughs> nice. Music, food, people, atmosphere. Yeah. I've become a different person for a couple days. It's great. So great. Yeah, it's the best. I remember you took me to Trumpet Mafia. Yeah. Which was yeah. What a cool thing. It was so cool. In the middle of a park for free on a Wednesday.
part of the conference we were at and they didn't even care right it was just wednesdays in the park new orleans yeah, yeah. let's go love it best city in the world so cool yeah well in, in north america in the world that's 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 hard but in north america for sure where do you like outside of the u.s um hawaii I think it's magical. I'm kind of sad about everything that's going on. That's not but... outside the U.S. Oh, wait. Oh, you're right. Outside right. of the U.S. It's okay to love Hawaii. Well, Japan's the coolest place to me. Yeah. Like, I'm kind of obsessed with it. But um, to be super mellow, Bali. Wow. In general, I love Asia. I love Asian What's food. What's the place Asian you've everything. been most surprised about, like, the scene? Um, I would say oh, the scene um, in the U.S. or just in general? Wherever. Um, I would have to say Atlanta because mm. I would I always thought it was like mainstream and like right. it, it's all across the board and mm. there's a little bit of everything and there's like everything from, you know, rock like sort of, you know, grassroots kind of indie stuff all the way to, to Little Wayne, but everything in between. And I didn't realize just how massive it was. Yeah. And even like the trap music has like soul to it. Mm -hmm. And like, I just find it to be the most, um, the, the, the largest U.S. city that doesn't get enough props for sure. it being what it is. Everyone thinks of it as like just sort of this, this mainstream, but it's not. It's amazing. It's got a great house music scene. Yeah. It's got a great like reggae scene. I, I think Atlanta is like the best um, music scene outside of Los Angeles in this country. I would, mm. I would say it's better than New York right now. Cool. Yeah. I was amazed last year I was in Tokyo mm -hmm. and I went to Massive Attack. Yeah. And uh, just seeing how they got down to it and like, first of all, you know, it was like 4,000 people in right. an amphitheater or in, a, in like a warehouse kind yeah. of. And uh, no cameras. Right. Like until the end of the, at the end of the show, people are taking pictures, but, but for 80% of the show, there's no cameras That's out. That's amazing. Which is amazing. Yeah. People just dancing. That's amazing. It's really That's, cool. Yeah. I haven't been in Japan. Young fathers opened up. Really? Yeah. They're awesome. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's a lot. Actually, another, another one is it would be, um, Johannesburg and in general oh, South yeah. Africa. Like again, people think it's going to be what it is, but you come up there and there's like wealthy people that do their thing and then you have the sueto and then you have like like all these like south african and how big houses mm -hmm. like how like superstarish house is I, I mean i wasn't as surprised but it, it's pop music there like they the taxi cab drivers be playing is that right house music yeah and like That's good cool. house music not yeah. what we think is yeah, house yeah, music sure. yeah they yeah. they laugh at us i think because we created it right but they took it and made it better sure <laughs> And house music did come from Chicago. People will argue to the death, like it came from Europe or New York. And I'm like, right. what do you know? No. It was Chicago. And, and I can send you the first house record that ever came out. I think it was 1982. Uh -huh. What are you talking about? It was 1982. Yeah, because music celebrated 35 years last year. Which record is that? Um, it's, it's, it's probably got to have house, but Jesse Saunders said mm -hmm. that he created it. I, I argue with him. I, I, it's between Jesse Saunders and, and, and the things that like um, Frankie Knuckles was doing. It's kind of, it was all in the sure, same like year. Yeah. But I think Jesse Saunders would be proud to know that I kind of agree that I guess. Nice. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Who's your favorite DJ? Um, hmm. Well, I would say technically the best DJ for me probably is still Jazzy Jeff. Like mm -hmm. so I just, I, I'm in awe of him. I'm always like, are you for real? But my favorite DJ, like who I really want to hear, believe it or not, is probably Rich Medina because he plays everything and he yeah. plays it well and he plays the house and the Afro funk and the, the hip hop and, uh, and he just, he's incredible. Spinna, Spinna's like my number three because Spinna's sort of there, but mm -hmm. I don't know, I, I sort of, I teeter. I teeter. But Jazzy Jeff, technically, no one can beat him to this day. I mean, I'm just like, whatever on all y'all. <laughs> like, sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. Still like, and he's like in his 50s. Yeah. He's amazing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What's the last great book you read? Um, hmm. I've been reading a lot. Um, I only only read books about like climate change and self-help. <laughs> I'm trying to think of what it's called. Millionaire's Mind, actually, I okay. read it. I just read it, um, which was really, really good. Um, yeah. Sort of had to just think positive all the time and how rich people think differently than middle class people. And uh, I felt good about it because I felt like I didn't 
think like a poor person, uh-huh. but I li- still learned a lot, you know what I mean? But Millionaire's Mind is a really, really good book, especially cool. if anyone's in a bit of a creative rut, yeah. you know, or just in general. Nice, I'm going to read it. Yeah, it's really good. I'll That's give it to awesome. you if you want. <laughs> what movie have you seen the most in your life? Forrest Gump. Yeah. Fucking love it. It's nice. the best, man, because he's always in the right place at the right time. And uh-huh. I felt like that's my life. Like, people will be like, you did this? And I'm like, man, I was just, you know, or I'll be next to somebody on the airplane or I'll meet somebody. And that happens to me so much. Yeah. I really relate. And yeah. I also love, like, how it showed, um, like, the different um, times of the of that era, mm-hmm. you know. I just mm-hmm. love that movie. I, I, I can watch it all the time. It's really bad. <laughs> <laughs> it's embarrassing. You think it was like maybe some like more whatever cooler movie? It I never guess. is. It never is. No, no one ever answers that question. No, like, really. Cool no. Okay, I'm like Forrest Gump, really? Yeah, really. Tom Hanks killed it. <laughs> so funny. Yeah. It's funny how uh, our Raymond and I used to argue about this. How like our taste in music and movies is not necessarily connected at all. Right. But you would kind of think it is. You yeah. kind of think. I've I've always tried to like define my taste in music yeah. and I can't yeah yeah like I want to say I like this kind of music yeah. and not that which I realize is a stupid thing to do anyway it is every, but yeah. I'm tempted to mm-hmm. and, I, and I can't it depends on the mood I mean 90 yeah. if you would say to me though if, you, if I had to listen to, to like one kind of music so for like eight hours or something yeah. it would be African house music you know, but if I, but then I really, but then I'm like missing out on all of like Brand Nubian and mm-hmm. all this like other stuff that I really like. And then I'd be like, well, what about all the jazz stuff that I really, really like? And totally. then some of the other like weirder shit, like the fly low stuff that I really like. So it's really like, know you know what is. I mean? It's across the board, but, and, and San, like, you know, San Ra and like, mm-hmm. like the even more eclectic, weirder stuff that like, but I can't listen to that for eight hours. South African house though, I think I actually can. Eight hours of straight okay. watch me like that. I'd be like, put her in a room. I'll That's go a, crazy. Yeah, we, should, we should test that. I'll be like, no more drums. No more drums. <laughs> well, I find I wake up most days with a song playing in my head. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes it's something really esoteric that whatever. And I'll put it on and my wife will be like, what's that? That's cool. And then sometimes it's some cheesy pop song from when I was a kid and right. I just put that on and like oh yeah that was fun yeah absolutely like, whatever yeah music is, is all about moods and, yeah. and, and all about like how you feel at that point you know um, I love you know I didn't mention this but I love Tool and I love Soundgarden and Nine Inch Nails and right. all of that and I grew up on that um, mm-hmm. sometimes I will want to listen to like you know but like but that's like get a mood yeah, sure. <laughs> like if I'm in traffic totally. you know I might pull some tool on then I'll get all like and then I'm like okay I'm done <laughs> absolutely so tell me one decision to change your life forever um moving to LA in 2000 um you know I did it on a whim you know I didn't really know anybody here I didn't really have a job um I just got my green card I was like but I just knew that I needed to be here you know I knew it and yeah. um, I'm really really glad that I made that decision Complete the sentence. I don't have talent. I have blank. Um, I don't have talent. I have um, people skills. I'm really good with people. I can make people feel very comfortable. That's, that's important. Mm-hmm. So if I worked for you, what's mm-hmm. something I would hear you say over and over? Um, customer service. A lot of people just don't understand even the simplest things about putting up an event, how to feature it. And if you become bitchy and become kind of snappy, you're, I let you go. You have to have patience. Even if they, even if it's the same client every six months asking for the same media kit link, Mm -hmm. whatever. Hey, no worries. And also get back to people right away. Totally. Because if you don't get back to them, they're just going to spend that extra $300 on Facebook right. because they were waiting for you yeah, to absolutely. come and boost it. And they'll, oh, sorry, next time. No, you got to get back to people immediately. So I don't believe in that whole, like, oh, only check emails every couple of times a day. No, I'm on email all day. Constant. And I don't mind, like, yeah. to me, email. But I don't really like talking on the phone. Yeah. It's not my thing. Me too. Oh, I can't. I'm like, let's. Ugh. You ever have those people, you email them or text them and then they call you? Yes. Like, no, that's not. Yes. No, or not like even my, my business partner in Atlanta, when I just, I mean, I appreciate him calling, but like we didn't have this time set, right? We didn't say like, let's talk right. at the, the Pacific Standard. It's I'm big worst. on like calendars, setting things up. Yeah, me too. You know, and then I have like the five minute notice. Oh yeah, I got to call him. And then I get into that zone, totally. maybe reread the email. You know what I'm talking about? I don't, I don't do the whole just call me thing. Cause then I have to me get neither. into your mode. Yeah. 
no, I'm really good on that. Same here. Definitely. Uh, who would you be most excited to learn appreciates your work? <sighs> um, you know what? I've always I've always looked up to Rob Stone. And um, I tried to meet him at 83C, uh -huh. but he was surrounded by security, believe it or not. Wow. Yeah. And uh, I've always wanted to know if, like, does Cornerstone, Fader even know who we are? Do, does he know what we've done? So I've always been, like, looking up to him, yeah. you know. And uh, to me, he's the ultimate publisher. Like, the ultimate, what he did with Cornerstone, with, with, with the, co you know, mm -hmm. conglomerate, with all the publishers. Um, mm -hmm. Just, you know, it's different kind of genre-wise, but I believe I'm, like, a baby Rob Stone, like a super baby Rob Stone, but that would be that person. Celebrity-wise, um, I would I would say Stevie Wonder, okay, because I've sort of been around him and around his people for a while. But obviously, I have no idea if he like you know cares or whatever. But it would be interesting to know just someone on that level. If like sure. I don't know, you know what I mean? Do they do they even care? I guess he's never seen the website. It's a horrible thing to say, but you know what I mean. Like, okay. yeah. Something like that, someone like that, definitely. But definitely Rob Stone on a publisher level. I'm a fan, I've never met him. Nice. Yeah. Thank you for doing this. Thank you, thanks that for having fun. me. Awesome. Yeah, that was Ozzy Shine on Rebel Radio. Make sure you check out Fusicology if you feel like getting out and doing some clubbing. Uh, make sure you leave us a review or a comment on iTunes or on Twitter. Check out, um, you can check out Rebel Radio on Spotify. We're now up on Spotify if that's your thing. And uh, all those things are Rebel Radio Net. Twitter.com slash Rebel Radio Net. Facebook, YouTube. Wherever you go, Rebel Radio is there. That's how we do it. Most importantly, come back next week and check out more Rebel Radio. Peace.